I want to talk to you this morning about the title of my message is Answering the Battle Cry. Answering the Battle Cry. And I want to take you to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. So good to see all of you. I'm trying to contain myself and still focus on the word. I'm so happy. So you exist. I wondered about that many times. I've stood looking at that camera and, uh, and wondering, is there anyone really out there? Or maybe this is some bots, some robots on the other side kind of clicking view, 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 like, 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 or something like that. No, there are, you're actually people, praise God. And I'm so glad, I'm so honored to be your pastor and so blessed that you are God has brought you into this place today. Amen. Numbers 32, verse 1 to 7. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad, the children of Reuben, came and spoke to Moses, to Eliezer the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, jump with me to verse 5, Therefore they said, if, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of God and the children of Reuben, children of Gad and children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Shall they go and you sit now, will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? You know, I want to speak to you today from this passage. It's a well-known passage. And um, I want to talk to you about answering the battle cry. And uh, this passage relates to a crucial time in the history of Israel. They had wandered 40 years aimlessly through the desert. They had been released from the claws of, of Pharaoh. But the next 40 years were harsh, tough years in the heat of the desert, in the sand dunes of that desert. But now there's, there's something that has happened in the timing of God. This is now the time to go in and possess the land. A whole uh, new generation had now been placed, positioned for that moment. So this was a new season for a new generation to enter a new land of milk and honey. Amen. And I really believe that. I, I kind of sense that we are entering prophetically into some sort of new season. Something that God is about to do. And God wants to take us over into this new season. We're coming to the end of this, of this 2021. You know, and, and, and let's believe and trust and, 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 and be hope-filled for 2022. Amen. And believe that we are that generation that God has positioned, that God has empowered, that God is calling to say a step into greater things, better things, more powerful things. Can I get an amen in this service today? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the land was theirs, but there were battles ahead. Um, there, were, there was a Jericho. There were enemies that still needed to be evicted out of the land that God had promised the people of Israel. 
And this was no small task and it was going to involve the collective effort of every tribe of Israel. Every one of those tribes, they were to be engaged, committed, ready to go in because the task of evicting enemies and nations that the Bible actually says they were greater and mightier than the nation of Israel, it, it could only be done through the combined effort of everybody in Israel. But what I find amazing is that there's a group of people that are kind of resisting the battle cry. They're not that excited with moving forward. And they're the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad. And when they, when they get to the shores of the River Jordan, they made this statement. They said, uh, well, do not take us into a cross over into the other side of the Jordan. Do not, do not take us with you. We, we don't want to go. And verse 1 says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, they, they had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer, the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, when, you know, they, they bailed out. They're like, good for all of you ten, but as for us, we're not going in. We found our spot. We found a good place. They considered three things. Number one, their interests first. Secondly, they considered what they had. And thirdly, they considered what they saw. So they considered their interests first. They were kind of independent people. They said, well, what about me? I've got, I've got what I need right here, right now. And then they considered what they had. The Bible says they had a great multitude of livestock. What, the, what does that mean? It means that they had a lot to lose. Just in case this thing was not going to work out. Just in case, you know, the promised land wasn't that great of a... Just in case there was really no milk and honey flowing there. Just in case, let's just stay right here. So they considered themselves first. They considered what they had, and they had a lot to lose. And thirdly, they considered what they saw. They saw the land of Jazer. Wow. They saw the plateau right next to the river of Jordan, a place that trapped the clouds. And so it was an ideal place with plenty of rainfall. It was lush. It was green. It was beautiful. It was for someone that their occupation was livestock. That was a prime spot. They're like, we don't want to go anywhere else. Never mind land with milk and honey. We, we're fine. Land with grass. We'll stay with grass. We want to stay on this side of the river. Do not take us over to the other side of the river. Why going any further? So they felt justified in, in their request. They're like, it makes sense. We've got cattle. We've got what, and, and right here, we've got what we need. So why moving into their land? So they, they basically thought they were justified in not going any further. They were justified in not engaging in the war, uh, they, were, they probably thought, well, in any case, there's 10 other tribes. For sure they can do this. For sure they can take care of the enemies. For sure they can possess all the land that they want. For sure somebody else can do it. But let's, let's, just, stick, let's just stay right here. And uh, on top of that, they said, you know what? We are, we are cattle farmers. That's our gift. That's our spiritual gift. We don't have the gift of war and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, grabbing a sword. No, no, no. Let's leave that for somebody else. And, you know, sometimes people can justify, they can reason themselves out of the plan and the will of God. 
Because really what happened was there, Brian went into overdrive. They're like, no, and they reasoned themselves into outside of the will of God. And, and I've seen that with a lot of people often. You know, for sure, God knows our hands are full. Now, we're today we're celebrating and we're thanking all our volunteers. But sometimes we have these objections. When there's a, a, a battle cry, let's serve the Lord. You know, people are a bit like the, these people that we've just found. For sure, God knows that, that our hands are full. For sure, someone else can do it. After all, I don't have the gift of singing. I don't have the gift of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just have the gift of something else. And, and that does, you know, or, or maybe that's, or, you know, we can reason ourselves out of the plan and the will of God. I don't have time. I'm too busy. All that kind of stuff. You know, I find it interesting that the same tribe of Reuben, <laughs> there's an interesting story in Judges chapter 5. Uh, that's in the days of the judges, after the conquests. After the conquests, there were still enemies that would try to come back and invade the land. And, but during the conquests, in the early days of the conquests, after the death of Joshua, you know, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their sight. But God said judges, people that became deliverers, people that became uh, um, uh, leaders of, of Israel. And one of those people was Deborah. And in Judges 5, we read about Deborah. And Deborah united all of the tribes and asked them all to come to war. But it's interesting that it was exactly Reuben that, again, once again, didn't want to go to war. Look at Judges chapter 5, verse 15. The princes of Issachar, one of the tribes, were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak. And they and set under his commandment into in, in the set under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. <laughs> you know what that means? It means that there was a lot of thinking. Like everybody else is engaging, everybody else is saying, Yeah, sign me, sign me up for that. I, I'm going in. But among the tribes of Reuben, there was this hesitation. There was much searching of heart. It's like they were reasoning. They were thinking about maybe all the reasons why they shouldn't go to war. And in actual fact, it's so interesting that they ended up not going to war. They reasoned themselves out of something that was the will of God, the collective will of God for the people of Israel. And we can, we can do a lot of searching of heart, and we can, you know, justify, rationalize, and reason ourselves out of the will of God. Of God, we can come to God and give God all the five reasons why you know we're not answering the battle cry. You know, may we be people who probably say, "Yes, Lord, send me without hesitation." <laughs> Amen. I remember the first time I was a brand new Christian, and a visiting speaker came to our church and said, "Young man, I, I've been observing you, and I would you like to be the youth pastor of my church?" I'm like, I had never been to cemetery, I mean seminary, or, or to Bible school or anything like that. I was a brand new Christian. This guy didn't know me. I didn't even know who he was or anything. But I, you know, right there on the spot, I didn't even say, let me go and pray about it. Let me reason about it. Right there on the spot, I said, yes, I'll, I'll do it. When do I start? He said, next Sunday. <laughs> and I turned up. Of course, I mean, it, whoa, you know, when I got there, I mean, it, after a while, I realized I'm not really ready for this. <laughs> And, you know, two months after I got there, the pastor left the church. The church is pastorless. Suddenly, God says, now you do it. I'm like, God, did you check my CV? I haven't been to seminary. I mean, seminary. I'm, you know, uh, come on. But you know what? God uses the available. God uses those that say without any hesitation. And this was now 30-something years ago, 32 years ago, 
that I've been at this and I haven't stopped and I haven't looked back and I thank God that I never said no and whatever he said, go, I went, amen. Whatever he said to say, I said, amen. And I tell you what, there's such blessing when you just jump into the, into the will of God, amen, even though you may not feel qualified. You may know, even though you, if you start rationalizing, you may think, well, maybe it's not the time or maybe there's all these other reasons. But when God says something and you jump and you embrace and you commit and you say, I'll do it. You know, God will provide, God will equip, God will empower, and there's wonderful preaching stories along the way that God will give you. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. 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 So the problem with Reuben and Gad is that they became self-centered, independent. They were not team players. You know, the taking of the land was going to be a collective effort of everybody. All hands on deck were needed. Not only that, but they display the same unbelieving spirit of their fathers. You know, they focus on what they saw with their eyes. The Bible says that they saw. But the Bible says that we are not to walk by sight, but we are to walk by faith. Amen. Yes, God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is that our decisions should never be guided or determined simply by what we see. Or the fear of losing or, or missing out. Or by a sense of convenience. Because to them it was convenient to stay right there. God had, you know, unbelief was the very thing that their fathers, that kept their fathers from the promised land. They did not go in, the, Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says, because of their unbelief. And you see, look at verse 6. Moses said to the children of Israel and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Thus your fathers did. For a moment it seemed that they were going to follow in their father's footsteps. And uh, through their unbelief come short of entering in the promised land again. You know, not only that, but they, they had an independent spirit about them. And I tell you what, that is not a value of the kingdom of God. Shall your brethren go out to war while you sit here? Shall your brethren, in other words, it's not just about you. It's about your brethren. It's about the nation. It's about the kingdom of God. It's, about, it's a much bigger picture than your life, you, and, and, and just your little world. And sometimes we, leave, we think that, you know, you know the, the only thing that exists is, you know, like there's four of us in, at home. Now with the dog is five. But before the dog, <laughs> clearly we could have prayed, God bless us four and no more. <laughs> now we have a dog, so we, can we say, God bless us five. And everybody else, amen. But it's not just about us, it's, it's everybody else. Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? You see, God required every hand on deck. God required, I think they ignored, they, they probably were not aware, they probably did not understand collective responsibility. And I do think that sometimes in church life, a lot of us do not understand that there is collective responsibility. That, 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 you know, yes, God is wonderful, loving. God wants to, you know, answer our prayers, bless us in every way. But, 
But we are not the center of the universe, and we're not the only people on the planet that actually we belong in a community of believers, amen? And there's corporate responsibility. We belong in the house of God. We are the family of God. And in any family, you know, we share responsibilities. We share chores. We share, you know, different things that need to be done, amen? Hallelujah. Now, uh, God required all hands on deck. Everyone was needed. This was about teamwork and participation. We talk about today, and we're thanking all our volunteers. And our hope today is that all of us will be, you know, volunteers uh, for God in the day of His power. Amen. That all of us would say, well, I understand my collective responsibility. I understand that I need to put my hand to the plow. I understand that I also have a calling, that I also have something to do in the, biggest, in the big plan of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. What does this speak? It speaks, you can see that having an independent spirit is, is not really a value of the kingdom of God. You know, we need to think collectively, in unity, being together in one mind, in, you know, going in the same direction. Verse 4, let, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. <laughs> because we're not running the race alone, there's people running alongside us. And the Bible says, not just look at your own interests, but the interests of others. I so thank God for our volunteers. They come here at 7 in the morning, sometimes even earlier to set this whole thing. What are they doing? They're thinking of us. They're thinking, they're considering the interests of others. The others are going to come. The others are going to sit, amen, right here in this auditorium. You know, um, verse 20, the apostle Paul had a bit of a problem in Philippi. And he said, he said to the Philippians, he said, I have no one like-minded. It's like no one is carrying this mindset. For who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, but not the things that are of Christ Jesus. Wow, that's, that's like an individualistic spirit. It's me and myself and I and all seek their own, not the things of Christ Jesus. I know I'm speaking to a generous church, so it's okay. Keep smiling. I know I'm not talking about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But just in case the devil ever tempts you to be selfish or self-centered, remember my words today to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? You know, there's two important words right here in this statement. One is the word going. The other one is the word sitting. <laughs> one implies action. The other one implies being passive. You know, calling, going and sitting, two contrasting words that you know, they would determine the outcome of Operation uh, Promised Land. And I want you to know something. The outcome of the Great Commission also rests on our choice to either commit and go or to sit and spectate. But Jesus said, go. <laughs> go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus never said, sit. Jesus never said, sit. He only said, Wait. <laughs> He said, wait, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. But then go. Once you're empowered, once you are equipped, it's, about, it's not about sitting, it's about going. You know, when we sit, we are spectators. When we, 
When we go, we are participants. And you see, the kingdom of God can only advance through participants. Amen. Through people that go. You see, sometimes we choose to sit. You know, the, the people of Reuben and Gad, they chose to sit. Why? Sit is comfortable. Sitting is convenient. Sitting requires no effort. Sitting is easy. But you see, God didn't call us to sit, but God called us to be goers. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't get many amens to that one. It's getting very quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you know just, just, just clap to the Lord. Amen. Just clap, clap. Just give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Amen. So, so. So that way, that way, I know I'm not, you're not feeling my, I'm stepping on your toes. This is for somebody else. Amen. Praise God. Just keep smiling. <laughs> Amen. So, look at verse 7. Now, will, your will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel? Because their lack of engagement was also going to be a source of discouragement for everybody. Have you ever thought that sometimes that our lack of engagement, our lack of commitment can actually discourage people who are committed? People that are doing the hard yards. Amen. There's discouragement that comes because of that. Have you ever thought that pastors can get discouraged as well? <laughs> Here I am and I do my best every Sunday to pump you in faith. Amen. To encourage you. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, I get so encouraged. I'm so encouraged this morning, but I'm actually, because I'm actually looking at you, and you're here, amen, hallelujah, praise God. If you weren't, I wouldn't be nearly that encouraged. I probably would be discouraged. You know, verse, look at verse 9. We don't have that in the screen because I didn't give the, the guys this, uh, this scripture. Verse 8 says this, Thus your father did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went to the valley of Eshcol and they saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. You know, the ministry of discouragement is not a ministry we need in the church. <laughs> Amen. If anything, we need encouragers. We need to encourage one another. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that coming together, uh, encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. Amen. That's why we need to come together to encourage one another. You know. But you see, the attitude of Reuben and Gad was one that was going to, was going to, uh, um, they were going to, who can win battles when you're despondent? Who can conquer the land if you're discouraged? And you see, the people, the other ten tribes, they were going to be discouraged because all hands are needed on deck. Amen. Now, in the other story that I mentioned about judges, it's so interesting that, uh, as I said, um, Deborah, Deborah, yes, God uses women. Amen. There's a woman who became a leader of, of that whole uh, Israel. She became a judge. And, and, and Deborah tried to unite all the tribes and send them out to war because there were enemies penetrating. There were enemies that, that were coming and fighting. And, and you see, she, she tried to gather all the tribes. But it's so interesting that it was not only Reuben, but it was also the tribe of Asher and the tribe of Dan that they started to bail out. Just come with me to Judges chapter 5, verse 15. It says, The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak, rushing into the valley. In other words, they went out to battle. But in the tribe of Reuben, 
There was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Not only they said, but they said at home. Their, their brothers are out there fighting the battles, but they're, you know, drinking pina colada at home. Or whatever, I don't know, I'm just making that up. I don't even know what pina colada is, but anyway, it's... Sounds like a drink of some sort. Verse 16, why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle their flocks? Yes, in, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. There are people that are bound by their indecision. Mm. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. And why did Dan stay at home? Not only Reuben was unreliable, but Dan was unreliable. Come on, don't take any political things about this. I'm, I'm just, come on, come on, I see what you're thinking. I know, I know, come on. Not even God could trust Dan. I, I mean, I'm reading the Bible here, okay? Come on, just stick with me. Come on, don't let your mind wander into politics right now, okay? All right, let's move on. A share set and moved at the seashore, remaining in the harbors. It's like a share went sailing. One is having a pina colada, the other one is sailing, the other one, I don't know, is out a, a holiday somewhere else. While everybody's fighting. Amen. And, but verse 18, but Zebulon risked his life as did Nephtali on the heights of the battlefield. I want you to know something. I believe that heaven will distinguish, will honor, will reward every brave warrior that goes out into the battle. Amen. Come on. Come on. So let's not be Asher. Let's not be Dan. Let's not be uh, Reuben. But let's be Nephtalized. Let's be Zebulons, whatever. Funny names. But anyway, they, they're good people that the Bible says they went out and they risked their lives in the, in, the, in the heights of the battlefield. Those are the people that God honors. Those are the people that God, you know, there'll be rewards, there'll be blessing, there'll be favor, they will be distinguished, they'll be honored one day when we come through the, you know, through the gates of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. I don't want to hear, well, why did you stay home drinking your pina colada? Why did you go out? <laughs> Amen. I want to speak to those at home. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. Amen. But I want to encourage you in Jesus' name. You know, if you're healthy, if you're healthy, if you're, if you're vaccinated, come to church. If you're healthy and not vaccinated, come to church at 5 o'clock. There's no reason. We can all come to church. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 But I know, I know there are people, they're sick, and praise God, we, we pray healing and blessing over you. There are people traveling right now. This morning, there was someone in the hospital. There are people with genuine reasons, maybe not to be here today. Amen. But I know, and I know that their hearts are getting stirred, and I know that everybody's going to come back in the name of Jesus. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. 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 I believe God, the heaven, will distinguish, honor, and reward every brave warrior of the Lord. So just in conclusion, you know, thankfully this story ends well because, you know, uh, Reuben had a, a change of mind 
and get it, a change of mind. They changed their opinion. And Numbers 32, verse 7, say, they came to Moses and said, hey, we ourselves will be armed. We will be ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. They're saying, now, don't worry. We're going to get out there. We're going to fight alongside everybody else. Praise God. Amen. It's a good thing when we, when we feel convicted by the Lord and we respond and we say yes. They didn't get offended at Moses. They didn't get offended at the words of Moses. And I tell you what, sometimes leaders need to speak uh, <laughs> kind of a, uh, they need to be straight shooters and say what, is, what they need to say. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, hey, if I ever step on your toes, just talk to God. I only speak what he told me to say. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But obey and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll go in the name of Jesus. But verse 20, look at Moses. Moses, not, I don't know whether Moses would be accepted to be the pastor of this church, okay? I'm just saying that. Then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord to go to war, great. It's going to be blessing. I'm going to be on your side. It's going to be wonderful. Verse 23, but if you do not do so, then take note, your sin will, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Whoa. Is he speaking the words of the Lord? I rest my case. You know, indifference, lack of commitment, and any form of selfishness is a sin that displeases the Lord. Am I speaking the truth here today? I said, well, I said, well if you're done, if you bail out again, if, if you fail to commit, then, you know, your sin will find you. So this message today is about, uh, is about a generation that God appointed to possess the promised land. It is a message about engagement with the big picture of God. It is about embracing the responsibility of service. It is about warfare and participation. And I want to encourage you in Jesus' name. Let us respond to the battle cry with a, yes, Lord, here I am. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Amen. In the name of Jesus.